Welcome to The Edge Podcast. The Edge is the weekly youth service of Victory Family Center, and our heart is to see this generation encounter Jesus like never before. Now let's check out this week's sermon. I want to get into this, but last week we read a scripture, James chapter 4, verse 8, which is where the title of this series came from, by the way. It's not just a random phrase because we have nothing better to say, but we said, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is savage. My brother is also James. He is also rather savage. Maybe it's, it's something in the name, but... Here's what we understand. Here's what we understand. Here's what we understand. Here's what we understand. See, from this verse, what, what, what this verse is saying, it's gone. Put it back. There we go. What this verse is saying is, well, it starts with an objective. It starts with a, an objective that says, draw near to God. And how many of you are glad that we believe in a God who we can draw near to? Yeah, that God's not far away. He's not on some distant throne in heaven ready to toss a lightning bolt down on you because you were, you know, not paying attention in the service or something. No, no, no. He's a God that wants to be close to us. And even if you're brand new, you're here for the very first time, I'm here to tell you God wants to be close to you. All right? So draw near to God. And then there's a promise that says He will draw near to you. Right? But as James begins to tell us that, hey, God wants to draw near to you as we draw near to Him, there's a challenge that He begins to issue to us, steps that we've got to take. He begins to say, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's this challenge and an understanding that if we want to get close to God, we need to prepare. If we want to get, get somewhere, we've got to do something about it. Well, some of you, that's exactly what you were doing a couple of days ago, whether it was for the pre-sale or the general ticketing sale. You got yourself set up. You got yourself ready. I saw um, a story, uh, Gwen, I saw your sister's story of like her industrial ticket scalping setup. Like she's got like eight screens going and like two laptops and an iPad and a phone and I don't know, probably someone else's phone. And, well, why? Because she understands I'm trying to get into Taylor Swift's presence. <laughs> and if I'm trying to get into her presence, I'm going to do everything humanly possible to get ready and prepare for it. I'm going to clear my caches. I'm going to restart my computer. I'm going to make sure that everything is in optimal condition. And here's the, here's the crazy thing. Not even to get into a presence, but just for a chance to get in the room. Just for a chance to get into the room, you cleared your schedule, you prepared yourself, you wiped your devices, you were sitting there, and some of your friends, honestly, crazy, queuing up at post offices, dashing in the North Point, like, could have fallen down on an escalator and killed yourself or something, you know, but you, you, people were ready because they understand that for a chance to get in the room, I have to prepare, I have to get ready. And here... We're having an understanding where James begins to challenge the church and says, hey, you know what? You want to get close to God? You want to be in the room? You want to be in His presence? Cool. There's some preparation that needs to happen. There's some things that we got to do in our hearts. Because the purpose of purity is not just for the sake of staying clean. The purpose of purity is so that we can be close to God. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. Not a muddy and dirty and broken and worn down bride. No, no, it's coming back for a pure and a spotless bride. And as a challenge for us as young people, as a church, to go, you know what? I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to be clean. Because I want to be what Jesus comes back for. 
Right, last week, Pastor Calvin did an awesome job preaching, and she talked about how purity is the standard. Jesus is the standard for purity, and 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 how it's it's not just a standard; it's possible. All right, you can be pure. It's absolutely possible, no matter what your culture, your generation, or your know, society says. It is possible. And 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 today, we kind of I want us to leave with an understanding today that purity is not just something that we do or something that happens to us, but it's actually something we've got to fight for. It's actually something we've got to contend for. See, I, I want you to check this out in Romans chapter 8. This is a letter that Paul is writing to Christians, um, and, and, and he spends the first few chapters telling people how good God has been and He saved you and all that kind of stuff. And, and Paul begins to highlight a, a tension that exists in every single one of our lives. Paul begins to highlight this. He says, There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Who's thankful for that? Come on, hey, when we make a decision to believe in Jesus, our sins are erased, our past is gone, right? We can, we can live for God. It says, and because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. More, the Bible here is saying that, you know what? We make messes. We make mistakes. We've got junk in our lives. And there was no way that we could fix that on our own. But God sent Jesus to come to earth, to die on the cross, to pay the price for your sins and my sins so that we can have our sins forgiven. We can have our past erased. And we can step into a place where there is now no condemnation but freedom in Jesus. And if you're here in the room and you've experienced it, give Jesus a shout. If you're here in the room and you haven't, by the end of tonight, we'll give you an opportunity to experience that for yourself. Right? See, it says here then in verse 5, those who are dominated by sinful nature think, everyone say think. Right? Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think, everyone say think. Think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Why you bow our heads, and, and let's just pray for a moment, and we'll, we'll dive in. Father, we thank you so much that you're a God who speaks. We know that you want to speak to us today, and I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, in the room, online. God, whether they know you or whether they don't, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us tonight that you would begin to move in our hearts, that you would begin to lead us to a place of response and encounter with you. Jesus, we are hungry for you. We are desperate for you to speak and move in our lives. There's nothing else we want more than you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's try that again. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, see, what, what the Bible begins to describe here, as Paul begins to write this letter to the Romans, is that there's a tension that exists inside of us. That there's a part of us that goes, I, I, I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to do things that are pure. I want to be holy. And then there's this other side, which is pulling the other way. That's the, what the Bible describes as the nature of sin, which goes, no, do the wrong thing. No, give in to temptation. No, take a look at that. And, 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 and the way it describes it is that nature is hostile to God. 
It almost sets up this picture where it's not just a, I don't like you, you don't like me. There's a fight. There's a battle that's going on. It's a war. There's something that's at stake here. The Bible illustrates here a battle for purity that we are all in. See, we're all in this fight. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you're ready for it or not, whether you're, you're, you're fighting or not, you're in it already. Chances are, if you don't even know you're in it, you've lost. It's one of those fights. See, but the thing is, when we talk about purity, it's so easy to, to associate it with the things that we do. If I do this, I'm pure. If I do this, I'm holy. But if I do that, I'm impure. If I do that, I'm unholy. We, we often associate purity with the things that we do with our hands. Most of the time you do things with your hands. Right? And it's so easy to kind of get wrapped up in that where we go, oh, because I did this with my hands, I'm now impure. Because I've done that with my hands, I'm now unholy. And even though purity is often associated with the things that we do with our hands, what Paul begins to tell us in Romans is that the battle is not in your hands, it's in your head. The battle is not in your hands, it's in your head. It says in, in, in verses 5 and 6, those that are dominated by the sinful nature, what do they do? They think about sinful things. He doesn't go, they do sinful things. No, he goes, they think about sinful things. Those that are controlled by the Spirit, what do they do? They think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, not control your hands. Letting your sinful nature control your head leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your head leads to life and peace. The battle is not in your hands, it's in your head. It's not only our doing that ultimately leads us to death or robs us of purity, it's our heads, it's our thinking. That's why Paul in Romans 12 begins to say, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Well, why is God dealing with our minds? Why is He dealing with our heads? Because that's where it all begins. Our minds are the battlefield. Our minds is where the fight is taking place. I want you to think about it this way. Why is it that in our culture, in our generation today, one of the biggest struggles that we're dealing with is not physical health issues, but mental health issues? Why is that the fight? Why is that the battle in our generation today? Because there is a fight for your mind. There is a battle for your head. The enemy is going for your thoughts. He's going for your mind because he recognizes that if I can win that fight, I don't even need to convince you to do the stuff. You'll do it yourself. I don't have to convince you to say it. You'll do it yourself. He wins the battle in our heads. Is he choosing to ignore the battle that's in our heads? Choosing to ignore the battle that's in our minds is like, it's like showing up to the wrong fight. And it's, it's not even about the weapons you bring or your strategy, how equipped you are. It's showing up and realizing, oh, the fight's over there. Like, and by the time I make it there, like, it's, there's no chance. It's, not even, it's showing up to the wrong fight. It's not in our hands, it's in our head. And I want to push you to, to think about this today, to think about what you think about. Because when it comes to pursuing purity, 
chasing after holiness, and we talked about last week how important that is, it's not about just what we do and being pure. It's about not just being pure in our actions, but being pure in our thoughts. See, now, now, what happens though? The reality is many times that there are things that we do that we shouldn't do. Right? Um, and what happens when we don't fight in our minds? When we don't fight in our thoughts, like Paul says, when we don't fight in our thinking, what happens is we begin to get a mind that is basically just like a mess. It's a wreck. You know? Um, if someone popped into your head, it's it looks like your room, basically. Right, half-eaten pizza from two weeks ago is lying on your bed, like socks are under your pillow. You know, there's a dead animal in the corner of your room. Uh, the spider webs like hang over something. You know, some of you are laughing hard because that's exactly what your room looks like right now. But you can blame your siblings too if you want. But you know, it, 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 it's a, uh, if, if we were being honest, if someone peeked into your head, it, 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 it could be a bit messy. Could be a bit dodged, a bit suspect what's going on in there. If, if, if every thought you had played out on a screen above your head, would that freak you out? Would that scare you a little bit? Or you like, have access to my mind, all my thoughts are yours, right? But see, here's, here's the thing. We often worry about our hands going out of control and doing all sorts of stuff that we don't want them to do. We often worry about hands being undisciplined. But the reality is that an undisciplined head leads to undisciplined hands. An undisciplined head leads to undisciplined hands. And if we're not fighting the battle in our heads, we've already lost the battle in our hands. If you're trying to fight the action, if you're trying to fight the doing, can I tell you, you've already lost? Because the battle was a few steps back. Don't get me wrong, not that you don't fight, but fight the right fight. Don't wait for it to get to your hands before you fight. Oh, I don't know what I did. I did it. <laughs> no. Fight it before it gets out of your head. See, the, 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 the trap and the lie sometimes that the enemy begins to sow into our lives is sometimes he drops this kind of thought where it goes, oh, you can think whatever you want. It's okay. You can let your mind wander to whatever place it wants to wander. You can let your thoughts go wherever they want to go. It's okay to think whatever you want to think as long as you don't do it. You're good as long as you don't act out your thoughts. It's the lie that's fed to us sometimes. But the reality is that what's in our heads eventually leaks out from our hands. It eventually finds a way to come out. We got to recognize that having an undisciplined mind leads to hands that just do anything and everything. And what we need in our generation today is a generation of young people who will go that I'm not going to just allow my mind to be subject to everything that comes my way. I'm not going to just allow my mind to be subject to opinions I see on, on TikTok and things I watch on Netflix or Disney Plus or Prime Video. I'm not just going to allow my mind to be subject and be a sponge and just soak in everything that's around and whatever comes in comes and whatever stays stays and whatever goes goes. No, I'm going to discipline my mind because an undisciplined mind is going to lead to undisciplined hands. So I, I feel that that's the, the struggle in our generation today. So the, 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 there's two ways we need to discipline our, our heads. One, we've got to discipline our heads by what we allow to enter our heads. See, what you see oftentimes is what primarily affects your thoughts. Like what's, what's your explore page like on, on, on Instagram? What's, what's your 
What's your free page like on, on TikTok? What's your continue watching on Netflix? What's your, what's your jump back in on Spotify? Because honestly, that will tell you a lot about what's actually in your head. Because that's the things that we allow in. That's what we allow to enter. What you look at is the direction that you head in. If I'm constantly looking over there, no matter how much I want to go that way, if I keep looking there, I'm just going to keep moving there. What you look at is the direction that you head in. And, and we can't expect to be undisciplined with what we see and think that we can still be disciplined with what we think. It's, it's not going to work. We've got to be disciplined with what we allow in. Can I challenge you? Set limits on your, your use. Set limits on how, how much time you're going to watch something, how much time you're going to spend on an app. Discipline yourself in that. Because if you don't discipline your input, there's no way your mind and your thoughts are, are going to be disciplined. An undisciplined mind is basically a product of an undisciplined eye. You chuck your eye, I can watch whatever I want as long as I don't do it. That's the thought that pops into your head. Let my eye go wherever it wants to go. And it's suddenly, why am I thinking those thoughts? Well, because your eye was looking at those things. That's why you're thinking those thoughts. It's not a mystery. It, 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 doesn't, it shouldn't blow your mind. It's like, oh yeah, I watched that. Of course I'm thinking about that. Matthew 6 says this, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. See, what are we allowing into our lives through our eyes? I want you to take a moment and think about it. What do you primarily spend time on? If, if you did a, a spreadsheet of how much time you spend on you know, stuff that you watch and look at, Pam can draw a spreadsheet out for you, no, no, no time. I'm sure she'll create a template for you to fill out. But you can see, how, how much am I being discipled by what I watch versus how much am I being discipled by the Word of God? That's an easy way to look at it. Do I spend more time in the Word of God or do I spend more time filling my mind with other things? I was saying, don't watch stuff. I'm like, every now and then, I love watching a good show. I love watching a good thing. But, but is that the primary thing that we begin to put into our lives? See, we're going to discipline our minds based on what we allow to enter. We're not just disciplining our heads by what we allow to enter. We also discipline our heads by what we allow to stay. Because the reality is sometimes you can't really stop something from entering your mind. You, someone says something, boom, a thought enters your mind. You know, you accidentally see some, like some pop-up comes up or some like ad comes up. Like, oh my gosh, and it's in your head. What are you going to do? It's, it's already there. It's not like I can like command Z and like unenter my mind. I can't. But while you can't stop something from entering your mind, you can't stop. You can't decide how long it's going to stay there. You can't decide, am I going to just allow this thought to sit in my mind and I'm just going to keep turning it over? Am I going to allow my mind to just wander all sorts of different places? Am I going to allow it to go in all the directions it wants to go? Am I going to say, no, stop? It popped in, but it doesn't have to stay in. It says here in Matthew 5, 27, it says, you heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, the issue here wasn't the, 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 like, you look at people all the time. I mean, you say hi to someone, you look at someone. The issue here is not what entered this person's eye. Oh, I looked at you and so I've seen. No, it's looked at them with lust. 
has committed adultery in his heart. It's not the first look, it's the second. It's not the first moment, it's the choosing to let your eyes stay on it. That's, that's the decision we're going to make. That's where the fight is. Because sometimes, sure, you can't control what comes in, but you can control what stays in. So we've got to discipline our minds and our heads. Where we go, I'm not just going to allow anything to enter. I'm going to discipline myself on that. But I'm also not just going to allow anything to stay. My mind is high-value real estate. Don't let crap stay in your mind rent-free. It does not deserve your head space. It does not deserve your thought. No. This is, this is good stuff. Point to your head and say, this is good stuff. All right? Hey, your thoughts matter. Your mind matters. I want you to understand that just because something pops in doesn't mean it deserves to stay in. No, 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 no. You determine what stays in your mind and how long it stays there. But see, I, I, I want to round this up. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Ashley to come back on the keys. And I want to round this up with one thought. Because talking about having to discipline our minds and discipline our thoughts and discipline our heads, but I, I want to put something really practical in your hands today that you can do. See, because the reality is you are bombarded 24-7 by all sorts of stuff. Whether it's friends saying things or ads popping up, or sometimes you ask for it, you go watch shows that you know you're not supposed to be watching, and you know, you just, you know what you've done. That's all. I was going to say that. But, here's the thing, here's the thing. You see, when we're saying, oh, you got to stop stuff from entering your mind, oh, you got to, don't let stuff stay in your mind, the reality is there needs to be a response that we have whenever things threaten to invade our thoughts. And, and the reality is that if you're trying to find a response in the moment where the thought hits you, it's actually too late. Because in, in that moment when the thought's hitting you and things are going on around you, how, how do you make a right decision when all this stuff is just all around you and badgering you? It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make the right call. It's hard to make the right decision. The thing is, we, we need a predetermined response in our lives where we go, not if, when the thought hits, this is what I'm going to do. When I come across something, this is the way I'm going to respond. We need a predetermined, trained response in our lives to help us discipline our minds. And really, if you look through the Bible, when it comes to overcoming temptation and when it comes to disciplining our minds, there, there really is only one response that's taught to us. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Run! from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body. Proverbs 4, 14 says, run. No, it doesn't say that. It says, don't do as the wicked do. Don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Translated as run. As one response that we're taught to temptation and sin. And it's not stand fast 
It's not hold your ground. It's not endure and see how long you can last. There's many other times in the Bible that that's what we're taught to do in opposition, in, in, in enemies surrounding us. When, 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 when the devil tries to intimidate us, stand your ground. Stay firm. God's going to give you victory. But in the matter of sin and purity, there is only one response that is taught to us as believers of Jesus and it is to run, to flee, to get out of the room, to avoid it, to don't go on the path, to get out of there. Run. It's not, it's not an endurance game. It's not how long can I resist the temptation before I can give in. Today I lasted three minutes. Maybe tomorrow I can last three minutes in one second. No, no, no. No, run. Get out. Don't be in the same place. Don't be in that space. Don't, don't, don't be in that room. Don't do that thing with the device. Get out. Run. Flee. A disciplined head that demands one response. Run. Young person, run. What does running look like? I mean, you can literally go for a run if you want. That will help you get your head off of many things that pop into your mind. But many of us, run's going to look like just hitting that back button on Netflix. For many of us, run is going to look like blocking someone on, on Insta who really just, you know, or just unfollow them. Sometimes people post really weird things. Sometimes running might be setting certain time limits on device usage or your social media usage sometimes running might be saying oh you guys are gonna go watch that I'm just I'm not I'm not gonna watch that with you sometimes running might be hey I, I think I, I'm not gonna continue this conversation or I gotta leave the room just because this conversation is not gonna help me in my thoughts it's not gonna help me in my mind run sometimes literally physically you gotta remove yourself from a room or a space but you know that's where I always get tempted that's where I always fall that's where my thoughts always get me Run. Get out of the room. Flee. That's the only response to temptation. Not to fight, not to resist, not to struggle. Run. When everyone say run. Whisper run to the person next to you. Run. Wow, that was a that was a kind of scary. <laughs> run. You know. See, I, I want to drop one last thought for you tonight. We're gonna pray, and I believe that God's gonna do something in our heads, in our hearts. See, but I think we're clear on what we're running from. Are, are we running from impure thoughts, running from sexual immorality, running from addiction, running from you know all uh, patterns of thought that will enslave you? We're, we're, we're all clear what we're running from, but see, we need to also be very clear about not just what we're running from, but but what we're running to. Because you can like gajong and like ah, and then keep running in the same direction, you know, like 360. <laughs> you know, we gotta be very clear with what, or rather, who we're running to. See, Second Timothy, second half of the verse that I didn't read just now says this: says, "Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust." So we get that. Run from that. Ah, let's get away. But it says, pursue, run to, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. Enjoy the companionship, the fellowship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. I want to break this down for you. Where do you run? You run at Jesus. 
you run to the one who gives us righteousness, who is faithful, who is love, who desires to give you peace. But you run to community, you run to people who will call you out, who will keep you accountable, who will go, hey, I thought you're supposed to stop using Insta by 10. Why are you replying my DMs right now? Run to people who will call you out, who will hold you accountable, give them permission to call you out. We got to know who we're running to because who you run to matters more than what you're running from. Think about it this way. Decide on what you will think about, not just what you won't think about. Make a conscious decision. I'm going to decide that this is what I'm going to set my mind on. I'm going to think about the promises of God. I'm going to think about the plans that He has for my life. I'm going to think about what He wants to do in the lives of the people in my connect group. I'm going to think about what God wants to do in my generation. I'm going to think about what He has for my future, where He wants me to go. Like set yourself things that you will think about. Don't just let your mind sit there and be idle and empty. I know you all have that friend who looks like their mind is empty. You're like, hello. (laughs) Is anything going on in there? No, don't leave your mind empty. When it's empty, that's when all sorts of stuff comes to fill it up. Decide, this is what I'm going to think about. That's why the the Bible talks about meditating on the Word of God. It's it's not like sitting there and like, it's not some ritual where you meditate. No, it's like, I'm going to put the Word of God in my head. I'm going to turn it over throughout the day. That verse that I read in the morning, I'm just going to keep examining it and thinking about it through the day. What does this mean? How can I apply this in my life? I'm going to constantly, I'm going to think about it. Philippians 4.8 says, think about what's pure, what's noble, what's good. Think about such things. Don't just run away from bad thoughts decide this is what my mind is going to be used for these are the things I'm going to think about make a conscious decision about the things you want to think about not just empty your mind in fact can I challenge you um, well Noah was talking about this a couple weeks ago but I want to challenge you this you know you're awake for probably an average of 16 hours a day some of you 18 maybe 20 if you're awake 20 hours a day like fix that and the rest of your life will just fall into alignment trust me some of you are awake for like 10 hours a day guys wake up just get out of bed don't be a slob right? stop being a loser <laughs> be productive with your life okay but we're awake for like probably between 16 to 18 hours a day can I challenge you this that that every hour you just take one minute to intentionally think about God just one minute every hour if you sleep 8 hours a day that only adds up to 16 minutes a day I'm sure you can spend 16 minutes of your thoughts thinking about Jesus just one minute in every hour whether you you know just set an alarm or whether you just go like, oh, on every like 5, 6, 7 I'm just going to spend a minute thinking about God you don't, have, you don't even have to stop what you're doing you can just, just think about God Think about God, you're great, you're good, you're awesome, you're powerful, you're ready. Worship Jesus for a moment, pray a one minute prayer, it's fine. I'm telling you, you try that, it'll change your life, right, Noah? Yeah? Change your life. Make a choice to discipline your thoughts. I'll challenge you. One minute every hour. And come in next week and let's talk about that. And see how different your thought life is across the course of a week. One minute every hour. I'll poke someone next to you, say one minute. It's not that long, it'll change your life. And that's it for this week. We hope you've been inspired and challenged to reach your generation for Jesus. Do check out www.theedge.org for more information, 
updates and resources.